from Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today. This is the Trojans Wired Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hext. Welcome to the latest episode of Trojans Wired, the podcast, which is an in-house production of the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. We've arrived at the end, folks. Episode 12, the final part in our 12-part summer podcast special series here at Trojans Wired, The Riley Files, a deep dive into the career of Lincoln Riley with our featured guest, Oklahoma insider Keegan Renault taking us through the various components of the man, the coach, the tactician, the recruiter. You, you've gotten uh, a look at Lincoln Riley from so many different angles. In this 12th and final episode, it's film study. It's about the X's and O's. It's about the film room. Uh, Lincoln Riley's special plays, his go-to moves, where he's been tactically exposed. You know, We've talked about John Heacock and the Ohio State defense under Matt Campbell and, you know, having uh, lots of players sit back in the secondary, but having the extra defender to come into the tackle box. So Keegan, you know, you've, you've studied Lincoln Riley's uh, uh, tactical acumen and his, his tendencies, you know, his, his go-to moves, his bread and butter plays. Um, how, let's just start with the overview of how you think he has evolved and where he still needs to evolve. I guess that's kind of the basic, starting point for an overview of Lincoln Riley in the film room? I, I Honestly, I think the place to start is that Oklahoma goes down to Waco after a bye week in 2021, Matt. Um, there's reports and there's still conversation surrounding Lincoln Riley taking the LSU job. He clearly was in deep conversations with both LSU and USC at that point. So let's just rip the Band-Aid off and say maybe Lincoln Riley wasn't 100% in terms of his commitment to Oklahoma in that game. In that game, Matt, in Waco, his offensive line was very underwhelming. His quarterback did not play very good. But, 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 this guy who, right, allegedly, we'll put quotations around it, was not 100% into Oklahoma football at the time. And yet he's still calling plays that designing and schematically and tactically are getting open and should be big plays against the Baylor defense that was one of the best in the country last year. Guys, one foot out the door. One foot out the door. And he's still so good that although his players, which falls under his umbrella, right, Matt? Um, Not giving him an excuse by any means, that he was still calling plays that were getting guys open and should have had success. That's how freaking talented this guy is. He was not even 100% bought in and was still, if he had a maybe a different quarterback, like maybe a Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield, he gets bailed out that day, right? And so that's where I want to start. Now, where we kind of go from there is certainly interesting. I think Lincoln Riley has a ton of – his entire offense is based off of Y cross, which is very air-rated. You hear Mike Leach say that. You'll hear – Graham Harrell say that anybody in Daniel Holgerson, 
every air raid guy's entire offense is basically built off of Y cross, which is just a tight end going over, running an over route or crossing route across the middle of the field. And from there is if you can't, if you look at Oklahoma's offense since 2015, if a quarterback failed to consistently process it and consistently attack a defense off a play that's designed with Y cross in it, right? If they failed to do that, the passing game typically struggled. Uh, let's look at Oklahoma in 2018 prior to OU Texas and OU Texas and before. Let's look at 2019. Did the passing game ever come along, Matt? Not, not nearly as often as it could have or should have. 2020? Well, we all saw what happened that year. And in 2021? <laughs> well, that was a rocky road. And so whenever you don't have a quarterback capable – Lincoln typically does a really good job of either saying, hey, you need to figure this out or we're not going to be as good as we need to be. And then two, if not, I've got to do something differently that allows us and maximizes our offense's potential. And so what he does a really good job of, Matt, is running post routes behind that white cross because you're running a what tight end over the cross the middle of the field. It should drag a safety up. It should have a, either or a linebacker follow him and other people should be open in different areas of the field. So if a quarterback fails to do that, it really limits what Oklahoma, the creativity and innovation that they can have. Unless you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, where you run the football at a very, very high level and in a way that we have not seen an Oklahoma quarterback run the football uh, since Jamel Hall, a guy named Jamel Holloway did it back in the day who was pretty good himself. So Lincoln's offense is strictly almost built around wide cross. Now this year, I think again, USC will be a little bit different. Um, However, it's primarily you're going to see a tight end. You're going to see mesher. You're going to see guys running mesh concepts, um, which is two receivers running crossing routes over the middle of the field. Um, you're going to see some very, you know, very rooted air raid concepts. The difference is, Matt, is that he has evolved over time, and now he's got a ton of stuff that he runs um, that does have that Y cross implemented in it and it has just become so successful over the years so what so what's an example of something he's added to the y cross foundation that's been like a a, a variation uh you might say that that, that has uh, been able to have a uh, consistent success people would you're gonna have to take you have to open your eye you have to open your mind you have to get real deep with me here because i know you will remember <laughs> this in 2016 ou texas there was a play where baker mayfield is play action. He's rolling out to his left in DD Westbrook. It's like a 60 yard bomb down the middle of the field on that play. They ran, they acted and ran action to the right. And they did run action to the right. They booted Baker Mayfield to the left. They took a tight end across the middle of the field, Matt. What did that do? That play side safety came down and Oh, guess what? Now DD Westbrook has a one-on-one -on, -one on a safety on the backside. And I can tell you this, I know D.D. Westbrook only ran a 4-5-40 at the NFL Combine, Matt, but if you're going to pick a guy that's going to win a foot race, I feel pretty confident in D.D. Westbrook. Um, so he added that element in 2016, and that became a staple of their offense after that. They ran it in 2018. Matt, remember that uh, Florida Atlantic game that bomb Marquise Brown caught? Same play. Remember the TCU game in 2020 where Spencer Rattler absolutely shredded TCU's defense? Same exact plays from the same family. It's those things that he's added. And here's the big difference, Matt. 
if you go back and you watch every play of Lincoln Riley's um, since he became the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma and on, and because I'm a sicko, I've done that. Um, <laughs> it's really all the same stuff run out of different formations and different looks. That's all it is. He's very, very good um, with the way that they're able to window dress some of their best plays. And I think you saw that catch up to him a little bit, Matt. Um, you saw some interceptions this year on some plays that you've seen Oklahoma hit uh, in 21. So teams really locked in and focused on it. Uh, and then you look at the Kansas State game in, in Manhattan in 2021, which again ended up being one of the best defenses in the country um, that Kansas State had. And they attacked him and they, they, they said, okay, Kansas State, you're going to keep us in front of you. Okay, we're just going to let a really accurate young quarterback who does struggle throwing and processing stuff down the field we're just going to take that away from you and we're going to run a bunch of crossing stuff underneath that, those three high safety looks and they shredded them. It was Spencer Rattler, the best game of his career uh, at Oklahoma. And so he's also capable of doing that. I mean, this guy is so talented as an offensive mind. It's crazy. Um, He's, he's too smart for his own good, Matt, right? Because he can be one foot out the door and still call a hell of a game. Uh, the problem with being one foot out the door, though, Matt, is that your players probably aren't the most prepared to play that Saturday. Yeah. So as we as we turn to Lincoln Riley, the tactician uh, at USC, an obvious question is entering year two with Caleb Williams. But of course, this is the first year in Caleb Williams collegiate playing career that he knows he's going to be the guy from day one. That was not the case last year at OU. Uh, the, the question is how complicated how layered uh should lincoln riley make this year's usc playbook you know how much should he balance the need for simplicity versus complexity so that to put caleb williams in the best possible position to succeed making sure that caleb williams has more tools more resources but he doesn't overload caleb williams and make sure that he gets into a consistent rhythm at the start of the season and then he can add more complicated concepts as the season goes on. What's the balance he uh, needs to strike here? I would give Caleb Williams whatever. I think that kid's ready for it. Um, I think the more he fails, the better, the more he's going to succeed and very quickly. I mean, this is a kid that was thrown into the fire. He wasn't 100%, you know, like you said, full camp. It was probably all Spencer Rattler. Actually, I failed, Matt. I failed, I failed, I failed. I heard you mention something and I forgot to say it right off the top. And you said, Caleb Williams, this is his first year that he's going to be. He knows he's the starting quarterback. We're hundred percent sure of that. We know that. Yes. There's no quarterback competition at USC this year. He's not Miller Moss isn't in this at all. No, he's not for, not for QB one. Wow. Go to Southern California. A lot of things change, Matt. Uh, I, <laughs> So there, there's my, there's my first, I get the shot I get to take. Anyways, <laughs> I, uh, it's, I would give Caleb Williams everything. He's ready for it. But I would imagine this just again, it's a spring game, it's a spring game, it's a spring game. I don't take anything away from him. I hardly ever watch him, but I was obviously curious to see what it looked like. Uh, I don't think it's going to matter too much. Um, and where Caleb Williams is at as a processor, as a quarterback quite yet, Matt. Because I think from what I saw, Mario Williams is actually USC is going to be USC's X receiver. So their outside receiver. And this is a position that he did play at OU and his Mario Williams in his lone year. And if Mario Williams is the X, Caleb's going to, if you give him everything, he's going to fail some here early on, Matt. 
But in terms of what that's going to get Caleb ready for 23, I mean, Matt, I, this is the first I'm saying this. This is going to get clipped. I'm sure you guys will clip this and put it out there because it'd be great uh, for engagement. Um, I mean, Caleb Williams, your best quarterback in college football. Like, that's there's no if ands about uh, if ands or buts about it in my mind. Like this kid has every tool you're looking for. You want to talk about an NFL team? Um, you want to talk about building around the guy that has. Aaron Rodgers like qualities working in and out of the pocket um, with more athleticism. Like that's been kind of where I've gone to my comparisons for him, Matt. I've thrown out some Steve McNair comps from McNair back in the day. I think they make a lot of sense. I mean, this is a, I don't get me wrong. I know USC's had a lot of really, really good quarterbacks over the years. I, I don't know if UC fans are, I they're they've talked a lot about it. They understand it. I don't think they quite get, what they have in Caleb Williams quite yet. And they're, they're going to see it. I mean, this is, I mean, Lincoln Riley doesn't get this kid to come from Oklahoma guys. Like it, it's going to look a lot different out there. This is, this is a kid that is destined to probably be the number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft. All right. Now the last game in which the last real game, we're not counting the spring game. Uh, the last real game in which Lincoln Riley coached Caleb Williams was Bedlam last year. What did you see in that Bedlam game? And this, again, this was against Jim Knowles, who, as we referred to in a previous episode in this series, is, you know, is now at Ohio State. So he's going to be a future defensive coordinator for Lincoln Riley to go up against in the Big Ten. But uh, Jim Knowles was able to corral the Oklahoma offense in that Bedlam game. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Lincoln Riley was obviously thinking about going to USC and the fact that, uh, you know, as soon as Oklahoma did lose, to Oklahoma State, you know, that meant OU was not in the Big 12 title game, so that freed up the Trojans to make the full-on pursuit uh, of Lincoln Riley. But obviously, you know, there was a foot-out-the-door dynamic. You know, think Gary Anderson of Wisconsin in the 2014 Big Ten title game against Ohio State. He was already pretty much out the door to Oregon State. So we can obviously, you know, look at Lincoln Riley not being fully invested as part of why OU's offense was so mediocre uh if that uh in in bedlam but what if anything do we take from caleb williams performance in that game and how he processed plays and where he was in his evolution how do how much do we assume that he's you know evolved and made um you know the right adjustments from that bedlam game from that leaving off point under lincoln riley in 2021 you know there was the alamo bowl but riley was not part of that against oregon um, how, how much should we assume in Caleb Williams' evolution heading into 20, 2022? And what are the things we need to look for uh, from Caleb Williams on the field in the, in the first month of the 2022 season to make sure that you know his evolutionary arc is going the way it, it needs to be at USC? Yeah, I'm not too worried too much at all about anything with Caleb, quite frankly. I mean, you're talking about a 19-year-old kid. He hadn't played football in a year and a half. And yeah, he was going to go through some growing pains in 2021. And and Matt, I think the biggest part of this problem surrounding Caleb is that OU fans hated Spencer Rattler so much that were they were ready for literally what was whatever next after him. Um and happened to be a kid who had really endeared himself and played with a ton of passion. Uh and Oklahoma fans obviously love that. And so they expected after he took over in the Texas game, they expected him to really, you know, 
be that guy. And the problem is, is it's hard to be that guy when you're 19 years old. It's hard to be that guy when you're playing a defense in Jim Knowles' defense that you have no idea where guys are going. No clue. It's hard to do that against a Dave Aranda defense where you have no idea what the coverage is going to be pre-snap a lot. It's just, it's really hard to do. And so did Caleb get benched in Waco? He did. And he rightfully did. There was three or four plays he just missed that you can't do it, but you're also expecting a 19-year-old who did not was not groomed to be the starter. He really hadn't got a ton of reps when you think about practice-wise as the starting quarterback. And so all of that's to be expected. You're supposed to take the good and the bad, and you should take it this year as well. There's going to be some bad moments. Like, there's going to be some moments – there's going to be some drives where you, you know, where it's like, ah, he's being a little reckless here. He's being a little bit this. But, Matt, as you know, as well as I do, um, whenever you have a guy like that in college football, you got to take the you got to take the bad with the good um, because there's going to be a lot more good of it. I mean, this is I I can't speak highly enough about what I think of this of this guy. Um, he is. You point out the Jim Knowles game. I mean, there's a play that happens in the second quarter of that game. It was the first or second quarter where Oklahoma runs a con. They act funny enough. They run wide cross, but the outside receiver is running a running a, a, a vertical route, so he's just running a straight streak down the field. Um, Caleb misses it. There is a whole shot to throw on the backside. Matt, game on the line, two minutes left, 220 left in the game in the fourth quarter. Oklahoma runs the same play. Oklahoma State runs the same defense. And guess what Caleb Williams remembered? That whole shot may, might be there, and I could attack it if possible. Oklahoma State made a hell of a play on it, but he still remembered it. He still saw it. He still attacked it. And that's just – you just you just don't see 19-year-olds anymore in college football doing that. You just – you don't even see Bryce Young doing that. You don't – you didn't see C.J. Stroud doing that. You just – you don't. And it's, it's crazy stuff. This kid's got – I, you know, I know you fans are sick and tired of talking about him. You know, they're mentioning that his production wasn't as good as Dylan Gabriel's was this and that, Matt. But, you know, I'm sitting here and telling you, I, I've, I've studied a lot of college football this off season. There's, I, I, I don't think there's another bet, better. There's another in terms of what he's going to become before he's done playing college football. There's, there's nothing like Caleb Williams right now. All right. In terms of how Lincoln Riley deals with, his offensive line. I mean, the, now the starting offensive line for USC is expected to be good, but depth is certainly a problem. I would have to think to a degree that's going to enter into how Lincoln Riley not only calls plays, but how he coaches Caleb Williams. You know, he's going to tell Caleb Williams, Hey, you know, we, we have a, we have a great first team offensive unit, but you know, because, because our depth isn't great, um, you know, we're going to have to make some adjustments. We're going to have to make some concessions. You, you can't be the hero on every play. And we know that we, we're going to let you, you know, turn your skills loose. But you, there's always going to be a point where, you know, you have to live for the next play. How, how, how do you think Lincoln Riley is going to walk that tightrope with Caleb Williams, knowing that, you know, to a certain extent, he doesn't want to uh, uh, overplay his hand with an offensive line that is not particularly deep? I, that this year is going to be interesting. I, I've said this. I like my. I think the best gauge for Lincoln and his offense at USC is going to be that second season because uh, you've got two guys in Brett Nealon uh, and Andrew Voorhees, who's an absolute dog. Um, those two guys are going to move on. 
Uh, you're, you know, who knows what happens with John and Monheim, who's going to, he's slated to start a right tackle, right? Um, those guys m- more than likely may be gone. Uh, when it comes to like the offensive line and, you know, pressure and doing this and doing that, will Caleb Williams, is he going to leave some clean pockets, Matt? Is it going to be really frustrating sometimes? Absolutely it is, right? Um, Lincoln typically is pretty consistent and loyal to the guys that start with him on his offensive line. But at the same time, if you go back and remember, I think it was 2015 OU Texas, they replaced starting right tackle Josiah St. John after that game in 2016. It took him a minute, um, but they replaced some of those guys. uh, And then they had the same run. So continuity at the middle of 2016, Matt, I think it was the same offensive line at that point was the same one that played in the Rose Bowl in 2017. Um, and then in 2018, it was kind of the same conversation once Creed Humphrey took over and then it was almost the same offensive line in 19 and 20. So there's typically been a lot of continuity with the offensive line under Lincoln Riley. And so when it comes to like how he, you know, goes about his business that way, he's typically more like, Hey, our offensive lines has got to play better. Like he's not just fire sailing, figuring out who can play where. Like, he's like, no, like, we're going to give these guys time to figure it out. And then, you know, at some point, you know, we've got to make the decision. If it's not working out, we need to, we need to figure out the, you know, solution and and push forward with it. They typically like to do that early four, five, six games of the year, Matt, those final, that final stretch, the offense and roster is typically pretty consistent. So I saw how I imagine that's how it's going to be. Um, And then how, how that kind of impacts Caleb Williams. I mean, like I said, and I'll say, continue to say it like, if they don't list let Caleb Williams be Caleb Williams, then they have failed as a coaching staff. All right, Keegan, that's, that's the end of the line for this 12 part series. Ian and I can't thank you enough for not just the quality of insight, but the amount of time you've uh, devoted uh, to this project Um, for our listening audience here at Trojans wired, anything you want to tell our, either our national audience or our USC audience about projects you're working on, involvements in terms of uh, football analysis, journalism that you'd want to share so that we can continue to follow your work and the things that you're doing wherever you go in the sports industry. I would say this one, obviously, thanks for having me. This has been, I I said this on Twitter today, and I know again, this is July 11th. You're probably not listening to this uh, on July 11th at all. But I said this today, it's been really nice to sit down and this is kind of closes a chapter of this, you know, it honestly kind of even closes a chapter of my life, right? Like I basically, my entire career does not happen if Baker Mayfield doesn't show up to walk on at Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley doesn't show up. And so I'm appreciative, honestly, of Lincoln in that way that one, he allowed me to cover him in the way that it did and it allowed and allowed me to get as deep. Um, as I was able to get right to get the information that I needed, Matt, the conversations you and I have had in DMs over the last two years. So, um, you know, I'm really appreciative in that way. I would say this, if there's, you know, the way to pay it back or to owe to me is to remember this one, this is kind of how I expect USC to be in 2022. You better score a lot of points. If you remember me and what I said just there and whenever we're about game six, seven, eight, when they have the number one offense in the country, uh, one of the top five offenses in the country and one of the worst defenses in the country. Um, and they still find a way to be seven and two that way, Matt, or somewhere in that range, right? Um, our analysis is really good. What we do in our process at RPM data is very important. It's going to be important to this game. 
um, in the game of football as we continue to move forward. Um, our process is sound. It's very, very good. Um, I trust it, and uh, we continue to trust it. It's what's gotten me to where I'm at today, Matt, um, and it will continue to lead me uh, down the path that I'm on and the direction I go. So um, I've studied USC extensively the last really three days to finish up my study on USC. Um, you know, here in six months, when here in a few months, when Fresno State and USC are combined for 120 points and USC goes on the road to Corvallis and it's about 110 points combined between both teams, um, we're going to have a lot of fun watching some USC football. May, you may not enjoy it that much, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Where can people follow RPM data? Yeah, it's just at RPM data. It's on, it's on Twitter. We'll have a website here um, come this winter where you guys can kind of come see some of the products that we have and what we do. Awesome. Keegan Renault, you are awesome. Ian Hess and I thank you so much for being here with for us on all 12 steps along the way, all 12 episodes of this special podcast series that we've been calling The Riley Files, a deep dive into the career of Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma insider Keegan Renault. Thank you so much for joining us at Trojan Choir. <laughs>